Hello Bay Talk podcast with Caroline, where we speak with local business and keep up to date with all things local in Sydney's inner west. Hi, I'm Caroline, host of the show and founder of Bay Talk. Special thanks to my son Richard for producing the intro music. In this podcast, I speak with John Comino, the founder and CEO of Bridge to Bricks. John Comino is a chartered accountant who provides valuable insights and key information to clients, giving Bridge to Bricks the leading edge. We discuss topics such as property ownership, is it a reality or a pipe dream for young people? And how do young people get into the property market these days? We discuss the concept of rent vesting, where you rent where you want to live and buy where you can afford. John also gives us an insight on the current market and where in the inner west he sees the value is now. Hi John, thanks for coming on my podcast today to talk about the property market. A pleasure, Caroline. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Hey, I'm really intrigued, John. You're you um you're a chartered accountant. How did you become a buyer's agent after being a chartered accountant? Uh, yes. So yeah, no, I, I own and run a business called Bridge to Bricks, and we're a buyer's agency. I uh, I was always interested in real estate. I always sort of bought real estate and uh, took a sort of an active interest in it, obviously. But I uh, a couple of years ago, I decided to make it my my crust, my bread and butter, and it really was a, a passion project. Really, I, I, as I said, I always loved it. But people were sort of asking me what they, you know, what I thought of certain deals, valuations, and those sorts of things because we had experience in the market ourselves, and that turned into that turned into a business. So what what we do at Bridge to Bricks is help people acquire real estate. So we find the deals, and about fifty percent of what I do is off the market. Uh, we assess the deals, so we help people understand what a deal is worth, what its attributes are, what they should pay, or you know, within a range, and then we negotiate the deals for them. So we only operate in Sydney, and yeah, people engage us to buy real estate for them on their behalf, and so I love it. With yeah, well, that's that's good. I mean, it's good to love your job. <laughs> now, with the property ownership, is it a reality, or is it now just a pipe dream for young people? Well, I, I think it's I think it's still very much a reality. It, it, it but it also kind of depends on whether it's a priority. Uh, so in that sense, it sort of comes down to whether or not uh, it, it's harder now than in the past. And look, I don't think it necessarily is. Um, there, there's some data that says that you know the percentage of someone's income that goes to paying off a mortgage has basically been steady for about the last 40 to 50 years. And the reason for that is that even though prices have gone up a lot, interest rates have come down. So the impact on your repayments is about the same. So it's, it's hovered around 27% of the average income for about 40 or 50 years. Oh, and it's even, it's even to the low side of that now. So, so making your repayments has in a sense, and I know it's a little bit provocative, but it's never been easier. The challenge is actually getting the deposit together. Mm. And that's never been harder. So, so it's not a pipe dream. It's very much reality. But, but, but it does take, I guess, some choices, some trade-offs. Like life's about trade-offs. And it's about, you know, to, I think it was Tim Gurner. He's a property developer who became famous for the smashed avocado comment. I but he, he's a, say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, he's in a sense, right, that, that to some degree it's about uh, the choices and the priorities that you, that you, um, make so it's very much a, a possibility and then it comes down to 
what your expectations are and whether or not you're prepared to start small. But well, yeah, you, it's you definitely can't doable. cake and eat it, can you? Right, like, right. If you want to own yeah. a home, you've got to, yeah, do the hard yards. Yeah, that's and right. So how would you, with a young person starting out, how would you, um, how's, what's the best way for them to get into property these days? So there are a couple of ways, but I guess any any strategy to get into property is going to require to start off by saving. So you're going to have to save, and there's there's no other way around that as a first as a first step. Now the good news is that once you've saved up to buy the first property, you never really need to do that again because you can use the equity in the first property as your deposit in subsequent properties if you if you decide uh, to decide to do that. So you do need to save, but but and you need to live within your means. But generally speaking, you only need to do that uh, once. Uh, the next thing I guess is that you just need to have realistic expectations. Um, Sydney's expensive, and your first property is not going to be waterfront in Chiswick. It's gonna it's going to be a unit. It's going to be smaller, but you can use smaller deals as a stepping stone to get to mm. your dream home. I guess. Um, there are other sort of more specific techniques you can use. Like, for example, you can use your parents as a guarantor if you can't get 20% together, which is very understandable. And then you can refinance once the equity has gone above uh, above uh, 20%. So that's one thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Another popular strategy is what they call rent vesting. And it's a horrible expression, actually. I'm not sure if you've heard it, uh, Caroline. but No, I haven't, no. Rent vesting is where you live where you want to live, Let's say you want to live in Balmain or or oh, I have heard it. Yeah. Yeah, and but then you buy in a suburb that you can afford. Yeah. And so you're in the property market that way. So that's that's a popular strategy as well. Uh, that's how a lot of young people get into the market. So they might um, live somewhere in Sydney, but they buy in the southeast of Queensland, uh, where they can afford a higher yielding property with better cash flow. So that's another that's another option. And look, the other the other way to do it is is interstate investing, which is sort of a similar to the rent vesting strategy that, that we just mentioned. My view is is that if you live in Sydney, Sydney's a big, diverse city with lots of price points. You can probably find the, a, a property that meets your budget in Sydney with all the wonderful drivers that go, go on with living in Sydney and all the population growth and so on. So I don't think you need to, to invest interstate to get onto the property market, but it's definitely one of the options. So there's several ways to do it. Um, I, I'm very Sydney-centric in my property investing, so I think that there's definitely options here and uh, you've just got to you know, keep your eyes open and, and work hard and save. Yep. Can I just ask, you were saying with the um, using your parents as a guarantor for, for mm. the loan, and then so once the equity is built up, then you can take the parents off. So that equity can build up just through the natural market, um, you know, house value is increasing so it's not just you paying off to get it off you can actually can the equity be built up just through the that's right so it's that combination of paying off some principal uh and and um having the the property hopefully appreciate which it typically does but doesn't always so that would be quite a comforting thing for parents to know that they don't have to just wait for the kids to pay it off the actual that's right that's right they just need to get the actual economy hopefully goes well and the prices increase and they can get off the the loan as quick as possible. Um, 
So when it comes to um, negotiating a property, what's the, what mistake do people make or most people make? Yeah, that's a lot of deals fall over at the negotiation and it's a shame, particularly if it's a property that you, you liked and you wanted. And I think that the main reason that um, the main mistake the property buyers make when they're negotiating a deal is that they, they become obsessed with winning and they, in a sense, over-negotiate the deal. So I've seen loads of, uh, so a lot of people get really alpha when it comes to the, the transaction uh, and like haggle over the last $5,000 as though it's a reflection on their intellect and their, their, their strength and all that sort of stuff. And so they let the, they, they, you know, in a sense, they can kind of irritate the vendor or they can delay the deal and allow the vendor to shop it around. So kind of over negotiating the deal and obsessing with, with winning is probably the biggest mistake. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a commercial negotiation. It's not, um, you know, it's not family law. It's a commercial negotiation where both parties want to win. And I think bearing that in mind is really important. So don't haggle over the last two to $3,000 um, because that does give them a chance to shop the deal around. Um, and I think in a sense, over-negotiating the deal in part comes from a lack of knowledge of the market. So, so the other mistake people make is they go into, they find a property that they like, but because they haven't done perhaps their homework or they don't know their comparables, they, they don't know if they already have a good deal on the table that they should just take. And, and so letting that draw out because they, they didn't know their comparables is probably the other big thing. So really knowing your market uh, is, is a really important part of um, not making a mistake during the negotiation. I'd say finally, the other mistake that people make is that they only negotiate on price, not on terms. So price is only one part of the deal. And it's an important part, of course, but it's only one part of the deal. And to give you an example, we, I bought a townhouse in Summerhill for a client recently. Um, and part of the negotiation was to get a 10-week settlement period to get us through the COVID-19 lockdown because there was a concern that, that they wouldn't be able to get tenants in for inspections, which is a very, very real concern. So we negotiated a 10-week settlement period and that was all part of the mix of what was what was negotiated to de-risk the buyers. So price isn't price isn't the only thing. So find out why the vendors are selling and uh, and negotiate on a range of terms as well. Okay, and be realistic with your expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah, that's right. So sometimes the offer or the the ask is is what you should take because perhaps there's an out of area agent who doesn't know the market so well and what they're asking is, is a great price. So you've just got to know your market. You've got to know your prices and, uh, and if there's a great deal on the table, you should go for it. Um, where in the, um, in the West do you see the value right now? So the, the inner west is, I guess, one of the, the top, you know, top three parts of Sydney, along with the eastern suburbs and the, the lower north shore. So it, it is sort of the prime real estate within within Sydney. So, uh, I mean, it's it's very reliable real estate, although, of course, it, it goes up and down. But the, the areas that I see in, in order uh, would be Marrickville, Leichhardt, Annandale, and I also like Summer Hill. And I guess um, a bonus kind of, suburb to, to look at as well would be uh, Five Dock because the, the metro 
the new West uh, Metro West is coming through, and they've earmarked the 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 place where the station's going to go. So that that hasn't really taken off just yet, but it's um, certainly a place to look at. And so the the way I chose these suburbs is through looking at the demand and supply profiles of each of these suburbs. And so all of these places are where uh, there there is more demand than supply, and there are ways to be able to identify that. So they're they're really positive suburbs. I think the reason that say Marrickville is going up uh, and and is very sought after at the moment is partly because the Sydney Metro. There's that word again, Metro. The, the Metro is going through. Uh, and that's linking up Sydenham to to Bankstown via Marrickville, but it's also going through Barangaroo and Crow's Nest and all, all those areas on the, the, the North Shore. So that's a massive infrastructure project and it really benefiting the, the inner west area. Okay. Um, and another question was, what are the top mistakes that people make when, when they're investing in real estate? Yeah, they, they say... Uh, that real estate's simple but not easy. So there are, there are lots of ways that you can make mistakes. Um, the first thing I think is that when you're looking at real estate, you have to distinguish between what you can change and what you can't change. Um, you know, I've been to inspections where I see people looking at uh, whether the light fittings work or whether the kitchen drawers open and close. And that, that's important, but, but they are changeable things. So you, you need to make sure you're focusing on what's important. What's important are things like the aspect, um, the layout, the, the location, those sorts of things. So I, I do think that people have a look at, you know, small details without looking at the big picture and, and they, they can make mistakes that way. Um, I'd also say that one of the other big mistakes is, I guess, that, you know, people trying to time the market exactly. And the, the market is, in a sense, bigger than all of us and, and it's impossible to time, we call these people fortune tellers, people who uh, I suppose have knowledge that they couldn't possibly have about what's gonna happen next. So we, and we don't know if, if you know the market's gonna go up or down. I'd say if you're a first home buyer, uh, the advantage of being in real estate is about time in rather than timing. And I guess if you've got a more established portfolio, you have the luxury to pick and choose your moments. But if you're starting out, it's just about trying to time the market according to, but time the purchase according to your income more than timing it to the market at large. There's no saying that, you know, you're buying a property, you're not buying the market. You can never time the market. So you, you, all, you, all you can do is make sure you get one good deal. Um, there, there's another sort of part of that, which is this kind of, sense of having more more knowledge or more information than you possibly could have which is a lot of people sort of uh, overthink the overthink um real estate at, at the deal level and it becomes a bit of a guessing game over price rather than an opportunity to acquire quality assets and build up your financial independence so uh you know g going into real estate because it's fun and because you, you want to be able to guess the price. It's probably a little bit unproductive. Make sure you go in and you remember why are we doing this because we want recurring passive income or whatever it is, right? So um, so I think that people turn it into a game when it when it when it's it's an important um, part of your financial future. So that's, that's the other thing. Um, one of the other mistakes I see people make is over-negotiating the deal. We talked about that a little bit before, but um, over-negotiating the deal 
is is a is a mistake that people make in real estate because you can you do give vendors an opportunity to shop those deals around. Yeah. And I think finally the the other mistake I see that people make when investing in real estate is they do get a little bit bamboozled by the staging. So particularly in the inner west and the other nice areas, you know, they present really really well, uh, but you have to look past the you know the the kenny g or the nora jones cds and the popure in the bathroom and the coffee in the in the in the kitchen so all these emotional prompts are there and you've got to look past that so if a uh, property is nicely staged those those items won't be there when you get the keys so you've got, you've got to look past that no visualize it as your own home not how yeah that's exactly right has staged it <laughs> So what, um, speaking of that, then what's the current state of play in the market? It's a very interesting market at the moment. Here we are, I think we're at the end of May and, uh, and it's, it's in flux. You know, there's very low volume of property sale transactions at the moment, which is kind of skewing the data and it's skewing how reliably we can look at what's happening in the market. So one thing we know for sure is that there's very little stock so people who didn't don't have to sell have decided not to sell so a lot of properties came off the market and in this sense the property market has shrunk so when you know people were speculating that property is going to go down they're right in one sense that the value of the real estate market is down but that's because there's nothing to buy yeah um the other thing that we know is that there's lots of buyer activity and there actually are more buyers than sellers at the moment and if we know our supply demand curve that actually pushes prices up but uh, there are more more buyers than sellers there's very little uh, stock and what you know in the good in the good areas prices are down around five percent but there's been a big pickup in the market in say the last two weeks so I'm taking a bit of a wait and see approach because while the COVID-19 lockdown is a massive headwind it's a big problem there's inevitably some sort of recession that we're already in or, or depression perhaps but by the same token interest rates are zero and so there's yeah, there's a tailwind and people sort of isolate the headwind and say COVID-19 is going to push prices down but it's become extremely easy to hold on to property if you're employed and it's become and it, it puts a, a fire under new buyers so there are new buyers um, one thing I'd, I'd also notice in a sense the rental market got hit harder than the sales market because, uh, you know, the, the rents were there, were, there was a lot of distress in the rental market and rents dropped by 30% very quickly. So, and I can't say the same for the, for the sort of sales market. Um, so just rentals, with, rentals got really hit hard. Just with the sales market, you say that the prices have fallen by about 5%. Is that what they thought would happen or is that a lot less than they thought? No, it's... it's 5% it, it, yeah, look, when, when the market, the stock markets were crashing and it went down, I think, um, 35% in March, okay. right? So everyone thought that real estate would, would follow suit. The difference is that if you don't get the price you want and you're not uh, you know, a forced seller, you just take your property off the market. And that's what, that's what happened. So just the sales dried up. Yeah. Um, people were speculating anywhere between sort of 10 and 30% and it, it didn't happen because people stopped selling instead. Um, so yeah, that it's it's quite interesting. Now some segments of the market have been hit harder than others. So, you know, the old established charming inner west terraces are doing fine. Things like new units are down, um, and properties in say 
uh, the western suburbs of Sydney are down. But uh, the sort of core sort of North Shore, inner west, eastern suburbs, properties are, are down sort of mid to low single digits. They are down a little bit, but, uh, yeah. but it's not as bad. No. It's, just, it's just that there's nothing to buy. That's the problem. Yeah, okay. So um, what are the what top three tips um, to buying property in Sydney's inner west can you, can you give? Yeah, look, uh, so specifically, I guess, for the inner west, and the inner west is a very distinct market. You know, the lot sizes are, are smaller and it's, there's a little bit more density in, the, in that sense. And it's also quite, quite a charming part of Sydney as well. Yeah, um, and there's okay. all that diversity. So you've got the you've got like the five dock, you know, areas with the the rivers and Dremoyne, and then you've got sort of Maracle uh, and so on. So it's very different. But here's here's three tips for investing, generally speaking, in the inner west. The first thing is try to get off street parking. So try to get a garage. And I know that's not always that easy. And uh, but but it but it makes a big difference. Uh, I think for long term rentability and and, and sellability. So off-street parking would be one thing, and that's a big thing in the inner west. The other thing is that in the inner west, school catchments are a really big deal. So, uh, and I suppose they're a big deal everywhere, but that's a particular point for inner west buyers. They always ask about that. So areas like Summer Hill are very popular because of the schools. So, so bear in mind what school catchment you're in uh, when you're buying in the inner west. Yeah. And the third tip, I suppose, would be to, to buy near a, a train station or a light rail station, if you can, and, and not all suburbs have this, but, you know, if you sort of fast forward in your mind, a, a city which is currently 5 million and potentially 10 million, you know, you're not going to be able to drive anywhere. So you want to be near a train station. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, we're kind of lucky, I guess, in, in Five Dock um, with the, the new thing. Yeah, the metro been... coming through. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I couldn't think what it was called. Yeah. That's um, going to be quite an added bonus. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, can you talk me through the the buying process and what um, if I was out to buy a house, what what should I be looking out for? Uh, the the buying process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I guess look, there are th sort of three parts to buying a property. The first part is finding it. It's the search process. Uh, so that's uh, searching online or, or how about, you know, if you use a buyer's agent, perhaps it's an off-market deal. But the first step is to buy the, pr the property. And within that, it's to do your due diligence on, on the property. So you need to, find, you know, you need to decide if you like it. You need to decide what's wrong with it. Uh, and and uh, if you like it, why you like it. So that's the first thing. It's the search and assess part of the, part of the process. Yeah. The second part of the um of the buying process is, is execution. So once you decide that you like the, the property that you found, you have to negotiate it and exchange on it. So there are various ways that you can uh, negotiate and exchange, but as we've talked about, not everything's about price, there are things about terms uh, and timing. So you negotiate the deal. And then the third step is really just the settlement, which is just a legal process by which you get, you know, legal uh, ownership of the property and the keys. So, uh, so that's the easiest sort of passive passive moment. But that's when the rubber meets the road and, and settlements when it's yours. So there, the, there's a sort of three parts of owning a property. And I guess you asked what to look out for. Um, I guess the main the main part is all about the due diligence. So that's where the traps are. So you want to you want to do a couple of things. Firstly, you want to know your recent comparable sales. 
So, you know, ideally you, you don't want to be overpaying. But, um, uh, but you yeah, make sure you know what your recent comparables are. Uh, if you're buying a house, you want a building and pest inspection. And if you're buying a unit, you want to get a strata report. And you're looking for certain things in these reports. Like if you're looking at a strata report, you want to see, obviously, if there's any issues with the building, but you also want to see if there's harmony within the, within the body corporate. So you're looking for all those things and you, you're going through your general kind of diligence. Martin, One thing I'd say is, oh, sorry, yes. No, just with, with the strata, if you're wanting to find out if there's harmony between the, all of the stratas in the community, what, how do you find out? I mean, you can't go knocking on doors and asking people, do you get on with your neighbours? Is there some, do you go through meeting notes? Like, how do you find out if there is harmony? So you go through the minutes of the meetings, but a good, but if you order a strata report, a good strata report provider will actually give you an assessment of the, the harmony within the, uh, within the body corporate. So that's actually usually a category of, in the assessment, in the summary of the report, whether okay. there's harmony. And they, they look to, to see whether they can agree on anything. Mm -hmm. What you usually find is for big, for big blocks, you know, the big, um, the big apartments with 100 uh, properties in there, uh, it's very difficult. So they're, they're often the newer blocks. So they're very difficult to get agreement on anything. And a lot of the owners live overseas in those big blocks. So harmony is something to look out for in those bigger blocks, whether they can agree on anything and get anything done. And it's not so much of a problem when the, the building's new because nothing needs to be repaired. But when the property gets older and you've got half of the owners living overseas and there's you're trying to get a consensus of 100 owners is, is not always easy. So from that respect, it's actually typically better to buy in smaller blocks so that you don't have these unruly okay. strata uh, meetings. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess there's oh. also the, um, checking the bylaws as well. Are you happy with yeah. the bylaws of, of your strata? Oh, yes. There's, oh, there's, that there's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, there's always a big question about pets, you know. Can we have pets yes. and air conditioners? Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's right. <laughs> that's where he put the washing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's. I mean, there's. There's all sorts of. You know, it's where you. It's where you live. It's uh, your your space. So it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be home. Um, mm. One interesting thing is uh, that a lot of people get turned off by negative building and pest inspection reports and negative uh, strata reports. And I think, like a negative strata report, is probably worse because you can't necessarily control how the body corporate deal with common areas and other, other units. But if a, there's a negative building and pest inspection report for a house, um, don't necessarily be turned off by that. That's just an opportunity for you to renegotiate the deal or, uh, you know, just using knowledge as power so that when you get the keys and it's your property that you know what to address. Um, but a lot of people walk away from deals because the building and pest inspection came in with all these qualifiers but that's what they're supposed to have. Okay. So, so yeah, that, that's one thing I'd say. And look, you know, never look for the perfect deal. Uh, do your diligence. Know what your trade-offs are and what you're prepared to live with. It's my four-year-old. Oh, uh, in the room. Yeah, sign of the times. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, no, it's um. So there's lots of things to look out for, but um, there's lots of support out there as well with your conveyancer or a buyer's agent, and they can navigate those waters for you. So that, that's actually quite reassuring to hear that if you get a negative builder's report, it doesn't mean you walk away. It just means... Not necessarily. More or, yeah, you're not going in then with your with blinkers on. You know that's right. I mean, if you, if you find a... I mean, this is a probably a bad example, but if you find a, um, 
a property, let's say, that has termite damage, but it's also had that, you know, a termite plan put in place. You can negotiate it, but you could also just, when you get the keys, know that you have to address that damage. And yeah. so you, you know that you need to fix it. And the worst thing is not knowing. So mm-hmm. it's much worse to not get the, the building and pest inspection report to begin with, rather than getting the building and pest inspection report and creating a list for yourself of what you need to address when you get the keys. So you don't want to miss out on good properties because of those sorts of things. Well, no, I mean, there's, the, you know, the beautiful old, you know, Federation houses, I'm sure they've all got yes. things wrong, and but they're just beautiful. So if you keep that in mind and know, know what your costs are, still worth That's it. Right. And all the charming places are old, so they're going to have old property problems. Mm. So you, you know you don't want to, uh, you know you don't want to walk away from a lovely property because uh, mm. it's got it's got issues that are consonant with their age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you have anything else that you'd like to to let people know, or how can people get in contact with you? Just jump on your website, Bridge to Bricks, or yeah. That's the main. That's the main thing. So bridge to bricks.com.au. Um, that's with uh, bridge to bricks t o rather than the number bridge to bricks.com.au. Um, and they can you know have an inquiry that way. My my numbers on the, the website. So if anyone wants to have a chat about my favourite topic, which is real estate, then uh, that'd be an absolute pleasure. Um, but no, it was a pleasure chatting to you, Caroline. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Bye. Thank you.